G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. We're going to be talking through issues around loneliness. And in this age of digital connectedness and social media, we might assume that nobody ever feels lonely. As I pause for a moment to let you think that through, well, loneliness used to be identified as an issue particularly for the very elderly, who've lost partners and friends through death. But now the loneliest age group in our community is the under 30s. So many young people are considered to be digital natives who typically have a large number of connections with people through social media. Well, a conversation today about the problem of loneliness, particularly among young people and the reasons why digital connections with others are not enough to satisfy the human need for relationships. A new organisation has been formed. It's called Publica. It's been formed with a view to strengthen families and communities in a post-Christian society. It's being led by Professor Patrick Parkinson, AM, an expert in family law and a leading voice in issues related to families. And Patrick Parkinson, well known for his work with churches on child protection issues and in religious freedom, Professor Patrick Parkinson, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Patrick, let's start with the thought that there are trends in loneliness. And sometimes if we are lonely, feeling isolated, we might think, I wonder if anybody else is feeling the same way I do. But there are trends and there are large parts of our population that are experiencing loneliness. Yeah, there are. Look, let me put this into perspective for you, Neil. All of us go through periods of loneliness at times. Um, We've had a breakup with a boyfriend or girlfriend. We've moved to a new city, a new job. Um, We cope with change. And sometimes there are periods when we feel a bit isolated, but we get over that. Uh, Over time, you know, we make the friends. We feel more comfortable where we are and so on. But there are many in our population who have long-term loneliness, like for seven or eight years, where they say, I've only got one friend, or I've got no friends at all. And the figures are staggering on the numbers who will say they only have one close friend or less. You know, our social media says friend, and some of us are going to say, I've got hundreds. Uh, Others are going to say, I've got thousands of friends. I wonder if you've got a thought or two on quantity of friends versus quality of friends. So, we can have friends at different levels, can't we? We can have friends who we just, in our workplace, we regard them as friends. They're not enemies. We, we, we say hello to them in the corridor at the water cooler. There's lots of friends like that. That's really healthy and good. But let me define what a friend is in deeper terms, when you're feeling depressed, you're feeling upset, something bad has happened in your life, to whom apart from your family can you turn? That's when we need to talk about friends. And 
typically people have only three or four or five friends of that time. Jesus only had three or four. When you think about it, he had 12 disciples, but they were Peter and John and one or two others who were particularly close to him. And we might even say that while you say maybe most of us have three or five friends and some of those are going to be family members, there are going to be others, aren't there, in more significant cases where they'll be saying, I've got no friends. And there might be reasons for that, but, uh, but it goes to extreme, doesn't it? Some will say, I'm so lonely, I have no one to turn to. No one to turn to, and including no one in my family. I've produced some figures which came from a study in, in Australia, about 8% had not had conversations with any family member in the last month. A similar amount, not with friends in the last month. And about 30% not with a neighbour um, who they could talk to. So there's a smaller group in our society who are desperately isolated and um, have nobody, family or friends, to whom they can really converse on a meaningful level. Patrick, if for listeners to our conversation today, uh, and I know that there's some ways you can sort of measure uh, your loneliness, and uh, you know you don't want to get just too scientific about this because you know feelings are feelings, uh, but there is some way that you can measure your loneliness. Uh, what sort of ways do you think you could you could make that personal assessment? Well, loneliness has been defined by many people as a gap between the social interactions you have and the social interactions you desire. Now, if you are an introvert hermit, you may be very happy with your own company, thank you very much. And although you're quite isolated, you don't feel lonely because you've got your music, you've got your hobbies, whatever. But other people need much more connection. And so it's the gap between what you have and what you desire, what you feel you need, is the loneliness gap. There's a dimension in what you're doing with this new organisation, Publica. And I mentioned in the introduction, Patrick, about the way that the Publica organisation has been formed uh, with a view to strengthen families and communities. And and very interesting here, this dimension, in a post-Christian society, there's a dimension here that maybe affects our loneliness. Uh, thoughts here on the post-Christian society and whether that's making an effect on people's loneliness? I think it, it is. When I talk about a post-Christian society, I'm pointing out how rapid has been the decline in church attendance and church and, and, and belief in God, somewhat mitigated by the growth in the Islamic population in Australia and other faiths. But we're seeing the tide is going out on the Christian faith. And what that means is that fewer people have connections through churches. Um, and think about it. If you don't have a connection with a faith group, who do you have connection with? You might have a good connection in your workplace, but you know, people chop and change jobs, or they may be casual, they may be in the gig economy, so they don't have much there. They may not talk to their neighbours, or their neighbours may not, not talk to them. What other groups do they belong to? Yeah, maybe a community sports association. But can you see that people who don't have any of those things don't really have many points of, of connection with other people around them? You might be the person, though, that says, well, I go to church 
and I'm still feeling lonely because perhaps there are some short fallings that happen in churches that get caught up into uh, maybe even some of the issues around social media or maybe because people are also battling with their own loneliness issues. They're not necessarily connecting with others even in church life. Is there something here that churches need to be aware of and working to, to, to mend? There's heaps to be aware of. Let's start with young people, if I, if I may. Um, they're not the only digital natives. We all use our smartphones. My wife complains about me the whole time, <laughs> being stuck in my phone, and she's right. Um, but think about, first of all, the way in which young people in particular tend to communicate. A lot of it through text or through um, chat groups, that, that kind of thing, different, different apps. But it's all quite short, sharp um, written co- communication. A lot of young people are terrified of the telephone. <laughs> they, won't, they won't engage on the phone. And the thing about small text messages is that you can't say much. You can't share your heart. An emoji is not sharing feelings. <laughs> An emoji is just a symbol, right? And think about your friendships and how they've developed over the years. And anybody listening, think about your friendships. We often form friendships through shared experiences. You're going out to the mall and you're just hanging around as a 15-year-old. You're watching a movie. You're doing something together. You're trying to repair an old car. Whatever it is, particularly guys, particularly guys, we build relationships by doing things together. And if young people in our youth groups, in our churches, are essentially sitting across other side, opposite sides of the room and texting to each other, they're not engaging in relationships which build experiences and meaning. And so we've got to try to talk about this amongst young people. How do you communicate? Put the phone down. Go out for a meal together. Do stuff. Go out and volunteer and help others. And from that will come friendships. It takes a big family to keep vision on the air across Australia. Individuals, churches and businesses. Like Camp Drew Lennox Head, a perfect place for conferences, school, church or retreat. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. We're talking about loneliness today. A new organisation has been launched. It's called Publica. It's been formed with a view to strengthen families and communities in a post-Christian society. It's being led by Professor Patrick Parkinson, who is our guest. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Patrick, let me ask you about not only just a broad section of people in church life, but people who might be in churches who are single or who have been separated, those who have been through and oftentimes brutal divorce, those people are even more susceptible, aren't they, to some of these loneliness issues? They are, and one of the points we make in this paper that I've written called The Loneliness of the, of the Digitally Connected is that in some churches there may be more than half who, of the adult congregation who are not in a relationship, not married, um, not in a relationship. That may be through death of a partner, but very often it's because if you think about 
what happened in the past when I was young got married at the age of 23, 24, sort of age. So there was a, a small gap, small window between leaving the youth group and um, finding a partner. That was a time of searching for partners. These days, a lot of people are searching for partners right through their, their, their 20s and may not have a relationship until they marry in 28, 29, 30 years old. Some of them won't ever find a, a partner. That's the reality. So we've got a lot of single people in our churches, a lot of separated, a lot of divorced, and I don't know whether the church caters as well for those as they could. They tend to be built around families, around marriages, and so single people can feel left out. Sometimes you want this focus on building and nurturing strong families, and there's a consequence to that that sometimes the focus comes off the single. You might have your own contribution. 1-800-316-316 to join our conversation. Patrick, let's take a call. Sue is in Kingston in Tasmania, just near Hobart. Hello, Sue. Welcome. Hello, Neil. Thank you very very much, and um, hello, Professor Patrick. This is a really wonderful conversation, and such an important subject because I've gone through many years of loneliness in my own life but I do thank God because of Jesus and the healing that Jesus has brought into my life that um, I've come through that but um, I'm in my 70s and I see so many lonely people of all ages and I find it tragic it's so tragic when the message of friendliness and love and connections and relationships comes through Jesus' teachings. And I personally feel the churches have failed dismally in the role they have to unite people and bring healing to families. And so when you see so much disconnect in church congregations where there is such loneliness, and the, the eldership are not coming around those broken people and enabling them to be healed and empowered as per 2 Timothy 1.7. Sue, you were making some wonderful points there and a, a, a response here from Patrick Parkinson. Patrick, what are your thoughts for Sue? Well, Sue, I really sympathise with what you are, you are saying and your long years of loneliness, they must have been very, very difficult. Let me also put it from a pastor's perspective. I'm I'm not a pastor, and I'm glad I'm not. (laughs) But pastors and elders, you know, they're really feeling the strain at the moment, uh, particularly after COVID. Um, They're under a lot of pressure to do lots and lots of different things. And so I think one of the positive ways of thinking about this issue is that we must be the answer to our own complaints. And we need to take the initiative, not waiting for the elders, not waiting for the pastor to engage with other people, just inviting somebody else around who you know is lonely, um, including single people in invitations to lunch, not just married friends, um, finding ways in just small ways to build connection with people you know are feeling alone out of it. And I think we really need to have this conversation about pastors and elders because I'm hearing a lot of them are feeling they can't cope with all the demands on on them. They're feeling burnt out. And uh, we as the people of God need to uh, take more of the initiative ourselves. 
There are so many dimensions, aren't there, in church life. Uh, We can look to the pastor or the eldership for answers in all of these areas. Uh, But if you are, in fact, someone who notices loneliness or experiences loneliness, you, as as you say, Patrick, uh, may be the answer to your own complaint. But not everybody has the initiative to lead or to start. But this thought of just hanging out together and doing some things in common... Our Christian faith actually provides us a common mission together too. There's there's a big dimension in there too. But Sue, did you have something more to add to those thoughts? Yes, look, I, I would like to, Neil, because it is such an important subject. And I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm in a wonderful church at Kingston now. And we have some terrific churches in this region where the um, eldership is very effective but I feel that part of the problem in the churches that are not really um, addressing these issues are not delegating it's like there seems to be a leadership um, authority that prevents the leader from delegating and I, I truly believe that that's why burnout is occurring in so many of the churches Uh, Sue, of course, church leaders and elders, uh, every church is going to be different. Every pastor, church leader, priest is going to have their own uh, issues and they're on a learning curve, developing. It's a conversation like this that for some might just alert us to an issue that might be bigger than we ever perceived was there. But Sue in Kingston, Tasmania, thank you so much for taking some time to call in. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. We're talking about loneliness. You might have your own perception of what's going on in your own community. And yes, we'll focus on what's going on in church. Perhaps it's a wake-up call, but you might have your own thoughts. 1-800-316-316. Patrick, uh, churches, we're talking singles. Uh, It's not your fault. Uh, This is the issue, isn't it? Uh, Sometimes we can blame ourselves if we're feeling lonely. But uh, there are others that might notice that loneliness. There are people in our churches that do need to be on the lookout. Uh, This is something we can all be a part of if you're a part of a local church. Yeah, and I think in the end, a lot of the answer to loneliness has to come from within ourselves. And people are anxious. They they find social issues difficult often. I understand all those things. One of the ways help is by giving opportunities to volunteer. And it may just be helping some elderly people, you know, mow their mow their lawns. But by creating opportunities for people to do things together, you don't have to converse too much when you're helping, you know, an old person with their, with their garden. The conversation becomes incidental. You don't have to think, oh, what am I, am I going to talk to about with this person? You're doing things together, and I think that can break the ice um, with a lot of a lot of people. A wonderful thought. Volunteerism may be a solution for some who are feeling lonely. Let's take another call. Giovanni is on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Giovanni, welcome along. Thank you, thank you. How are you today? Good? Very well. What are your thoughts? Well, well my thoughts are, um, my observation has been this. I'm, I'm in, um, in the property industry, in real estate, and uh, a lot of the men that I meet that are single, they've got assets, and they're concerned if they meet a partner that, um, 
it doesn't go well, they'll lose half their assets because it always comes down for some reason for money and vice versa. Women that are established got their house paid off. They might meet a man that's had, uh, uh, you know, lost, uh, lost money in business and has nothing, has no home. And she's concerned then uh, that she, he might take half her assets. That's been my observation. People then um, are prepared to stay on their own. Well, we've got the right guest to respond to a question or a comment like this. Yeah. Patrick Parkinson, your thoughts for Giovanni? Yes, I mean, what you're raising is a really significant problem, Giovanni, for both men and women, um, that the family law system does require you to treat your relationship as a partnership, and if it breaks up, it may not be a 50-50 split. Sometimes it's more than that to the woman if she's got the care of the kids. But yes, um, separation is a financial disaster for most people. The thing is that you've got to take risks in life, have you not? Do you really want to go through, and not, not you, Giovanni, but do people really want to go through life alone and reach old age and have no children who will care for, care for them? You know, I've gone through a divorce my, myself. I have a wonderful second family. I have step step children and I often joke with them that I do all this 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 for them because I want them to wheel me around my old people's home and if you have nobody who will wheel you around your old people's home when you're at the twilight in the twilight of your of your life that can be very very sad so I absolutely understand what you're saying Giovanni I don't know any way around it but I think Ultimately, we need to take risks with relationships and try to make them 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 work. Patrick, we'll take some more calls in just a moment, but on the back of the call we had just before the news, just want to bring back something there for your thoughts because there are some special considerations. We heard about particularly men buying real estate, fears they might have in, in all sorts of issues around their families. You have some concerns for particular sections of men. Give us your insights. Yeah, it's, there's a particular problem of loneliness for many separated and divorced men. Um, one study in Tasmania showed that while women who'd gone through separation were twice as lonely as married women, you'd expect that, for men it was 13 times as lonely as married men. And you find that the suicide rate amongst divorced and separated men is very, very, very high and the sense of isolation very, very profound. And, and why is this, Neil? Well, one of the reasons is, if you think about this in, in churches, when you're in your 20s, you have probably friends from school, university, work and so on. But when you marry and you have a family, you have kids, typically your social network changes. Don't you find that you, you know, is now focusing around the kids and it's mum who tends to have those networks, mum who forms the relationship with other mums who have kids of the same age in the school network and so on and so forth. And she's the one who's home and in the community more than the man is very often. And if they break up, it is often the woman who keeps those connections with church friends, but men who feel on the outer because it's really hard. Um, if you have known a couple and they break up, it's really hard to maintain friendships with both of them. And so women continue, but men miss out. Certainly in church life, so many of us will know of those who have gone through the challenges of separation and divorce. Sometimes uh, we tend to flock together around 
the female, uh, but the male in the whole equation, as you are saying, Patrick, is doing it very tough. Don't neglect both sides. <laughs> I'm even just, as you're sharing these things, reflecting on the thought, because somebody said before the news too that sometimes there's less of a focus on singles and there's more of a focus on families. You might even talk about the focus that churches might have on strengthening marriages and families as an antidote to a loneliness epidemic. So both of these are necessary, aren't they? Working with the families, strengthening marriages, but not leaving those who are single out in the cold. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Linda in Everton Park in Brisbane. Hi Linda, welcome. Hello. Linda, what are your thoughts? Okay, um, I heard that first um, lady speaking um, and I want to say that I have um, experienced a lot of loneliness and I've had to get through it these last, particularly this last year and uh, I totally agree with um, Patrick Parkinson in his um, outlook, his attitude. Um, I have found that to be my experience that it was within my case, my ability, I had to reach out to the community, to reach out to others and invite them into my life. Um, admittedly, there was a lot more to this because I've had a, a lot of help along the way from psychiatrists and psychologists. Um, I've had a deep problem of uh, depression, loneliness and depression in my life since I was 16 years of age. Uh, so I can relate to young people. But, um, Linda, I, I, let I'm me just pick up on something here. I'll come back to you in a moment. Uh, but Patrick Parkinson, uh, here's Linda sharing that she's even had to seek professional help uh, going through depression. And the question might might come, uh, is the depression causing us to be lonely or is the loneliness causing the depression? But I, I wonder if you've got a thought or two here for Linda. Oh, well, Neil, they absolutely interact, don't they? You're feeling depressed, therefore you can't reach out. I think Linda's done incredibly well to, you know, to be able to reach out. Very hard to do that when you're, you're depressed and that can make you more lonely. But of course, being lonely then makes you more de- more depressed. So it's kind of a feedback loop, um, which makes it harder and harder. Uh, Linda, you were going to say something more. Need to be fairly quick. Yeah, I just agree with what he just said. Yes, I want to say to a saying that I heard on Radio 96.5, which helped me a lot. It was a saying by Mother Teresa that she said, these were her words, loneliness is the biggest poverty. And then the gentleman that was sharing that went on to say, make your community bigger. Wow. Loneliness is the biggest poverty. That's an interesting one for us all to be absolutely concerned about. Linda, thank you so much for your call. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Kim is on the line from New South Wales. Hi, Kim. Welcome. Hello. Um, Yeah, I've heard that before, that young people are lonely. I don't know why that is. Um, I had just one child and um, I was very aware that she was a very social person so she still had little bouts of loneliness but that's right but anyway um, yeah when you're older and on your own my family's a long way away and I've given up nobody wants to connect with your church and pastors have their ministers have their um, their days off and if you ring and they're not at their are doing their work, then they don't get back to you. Wouldn't want to be urgent, so they don't connect. 
um, parishioners go off if they've got family, they, they're very involved with them and they don't want to... And retired people that should, you'd think, would have a bit of time spare. No, no, they don't. Kim, yeah, you you're raising some you're important here. points here. It's as though you can describe, like, perhaps for some churches, like a professional pastoral care. And really, people need even more than a professional pastoral care. They are in need of a friend uh, who can be called upon at all sorts of times when there are those bouts of loneliness. But let's get a thought here. Uh, Patrick Parkinson, thoughts for Kim? Well, as I've said before, I think we all need to be responsible for building community in the church. And one of the most important ways is through being part of a small group, a Bible study group, uh, a prayer group or something of that kind. Because that's certainly my experience of church life in many countries, in many places. That's been where I've, I've made the friends. And those are the people I felt able to call upon um, for to pray for issues or, you know, when things are going badly and they come to me as well. So we really do need to have a strong culture of small groups, Bible study groups in our churches and bring single people in, reach out to them um, to include them, even if they don't ask to be part of it. Kim, did you have something more to add? Um yeah, well, that doesn't happen. Um, even if I found go to Bible studies and they just do the study and then off they go and that's it. Um, so I've got a friend who isn't even a Christian, and we've had heated discussions, but she's nowhere near interested in Christianity. So it's a limited friendship because we can't talk about any Christian things. But she's more of a friend than any anybody in church, and I wouldn't recommend anybody. If they're lonely, go to any church that I've been to, um, and I've been to a few. And to go to a new church when you're older, like I said, is just horrific. Um, people just hello, but they're all in their cliques then. Kim, thank you so much for those comments. It does illustrate, doesn't it, that it takes time uh, to be cemented into a congregation, to become part of the furniture where you have established friendship groups and but I think there'll be lots of listeners who can relate to some of those things that you say. And as we said a little bit earlier, there may be a wake-up call for Christian churches around this issue of friendship, around this issue of loneliness, because loneliness is becoming so serious in our society. I notice there's some tremendous resources on the new website. One of those around these issues we've been talking about with uh, young people and with those who've gone through separation and divorce, often looking for solace in the church. You've got a, an article on the website there, Patrick Parkinson, Breaking Up Well. Uh, it's, it's got a little note there. It's a four-minute read, so it must be easy to read. How to avoid messy breakups. Because one thing to be at the bottom of the clip uh, trying to you know, attend to those who are lonely, at the top of the cliff, that little fence that says, hey, uh, we need to be able to manage our lives and our relationships, those sorts of articles, and uh, I think lots more of those are coming. Yeah. Neil, can I also make a comment on what, uh, on what Kim was, was saying? She's very courageous to express how difficult she's found it in churches. She hasn't had the, the response from uh, friends in Bible study groups that she's been looking for. It's fantastic to be able to say that. 
I think the best way is to say that to your home group, say that to your Bible study group, say that to your pastor, say, look, I'm not feeling like I'm being cared for or that I'm connecting with you. If she can say it on public radio, she can say it to the church. And people will, 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 will respond to that. I heard a sermon from somebody who's saying, I've been a pastor for years and nobody's invited me to lunch because I'm single. And it made a real impact on me to realise that I hadn't been caring for the single people in our church. Patrick, let me ask you about families here, because we live in a day and age, and you know we're reflecting too, uh, the thought of post-Christian society, but relationships within families. Uh, there are people who perhaps are lonely within families. Everybody's on their own mobile device. There's not lots less talking around the family dinner table if there's a family dinner table gathering at all. The importance of safe, stable and nurturing families. This is something, isn't it, that is going to be a protection against the issue of loneliness? It really is. We need to invest in our relationships maybe much more than many of us have done i, I speak as somebody who's gone through a, a breakup my myself gone through a divorce wasn't my wasn't my choice i uh, wouldn't have made that choice but um i know from my professional work and my personal life that divorce can cause real havoc in families and it can create particular problems for children and so if we want to nurture the next generation deal with this very in, serious mental health crisis amongst our young people. We need to have families which are safe to deal with the issue of, of domestic violence, to be acknowledged and talk about it, nurturing and caring families. Let's take another call, this time an anonymous caller. Welcome along. Hi. Hello. How can we... Uh, let, give us your um, thoughts on two, our... two things. Yep. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to keep control of what, what I want to actually say and listen to. Um, first of all, um, the, the statement of like you you keep your house and everything so that, or you keep your, your assets so that um, your kids, you can give it to your kids and your kids can look after you in your old age. Well, that's bunkum and especially in the church. The church is, when you go there, it's all happy chappy families talking about their kids and their grandkids and everything. For those whose kids aren't speaking to them anymore or something, that you just feel left out. You, you're a minority, really a minority. And I know lots of people who's got one or more kids aren't speaking to them anymore, broke away, and they're not Christians. So, you know, um, that's that's something that I think people need to realise. You can feel like you just don't belong when everyone's talking about their kids and their grandkids and their family get-togethers and that. It's, um, yeah, lonely. The other thing I wanted to say was this whole thing about... Um, single people being scared of losing their house if they have another relationship well the reality is if you've worked hard and got a house been lucky enough to you know blessed enough to get a house you don't want to give it up because the money from that house is what's going to support you in your old age there's lots of uh, different dimensions in what you're talking about there but uh, for our anonymous caller patrick your thoughts well, once again, I thank the caller very much for what she has said. We need to have relationships in our churches where we are honest enough to be sad. And that's hard. Sometimes people will say, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm fine. Well, we know that that isn't true of everybody. And so if we could try to nurture in our fellowships honesty, 
the honesty to be sad and the honesty to be able to ask somebody else for, for prayer and comfort. And then they will help you through that phase of your life. And eventually you will help somebody through that phase of their life. It's mutual, but it needs the honesty which people are sharing on public radio to happen in the conversations after morning tea, during morning tea at our churches. Well, I want to thank the anonymous caller uh, who called through. And you know what? I don't think uh, we've been able to address in any detail some of the dimensions uh, that she's talked there. And I know, Patrick, that uh, there'll be those who will relate to many of those things, just finding it so hard to fit in in church life. I liked your thought a little earlier that volunteerism actually does make a difference because there's a difference in there, isn't there? Because you can be the sort of person who, who is a consumer of church life and the expectation that people will always bend to your needs and meet your needs. Or you can be the producer of the sort of church life that might be helping meet the needs of others. And volunteering in various serving aspects of your church just bridges a a chasm there, bridges a gap. And uh, that may be the need that uh, could be met there. Any thoughts around, if we're talking solutions and not too much longer for our, our conversation, just to, to come back to that thought of how you approach your local church. There's an alarm bell ringing for leaders, but it's those who are sitting in the pews. There's a responsibility too there, isn't there, Patrick? Yeah, let me give you a very simple example. How many of you, and, and I had this experience, have gone into a new church and nobody sort of knows your name or goes up to you, they're talking to their friends, you feel isolated. Well, what if you volunteered to be the one who was welcoming at the door? The one who greeted people coming in, said, oh, I haven't met you before, what's your name? And then at morning tea, you say, now, I've just met David, he's uh, not been coming for very, very, very long. You are the one who makes the connections to others. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's volunteering. It's so small, so simple, and we could be part of the answer. And no doubt there's a necessity for some of those more shallow conversations before you can get into those deeper conversations around sadness and around loneliness. Hey, Patrick, uh, we'll have to put a line under calls now. So uh, thanks to everyone who's called in. We've been getting a focus on all sorts of different dimensions of people who've been feeling lonely, getting a focus on the fact that young people and uh, even under 30s now experiencing loneliness perhaps on levels they may never have experienced ever before and we might not have seen through history. I don't want to leave those who are at the other end of the spectrum out either, people who have experienced a death from a partner or deaths in their family, uh, facing challenging issues, moving into aged care and suffering through dementia. Uh, Those sorts of people, too, also need our care. There's lots and lots of needs, aren't there? There are. And let me just leave people with one final thought. Uh, You will know, Neil, um, because you're a slightly older man, (laughs) of the Love Languages books. They were written in the mid-1990s, where they talk about five love languages. And love languages, things like giving gifts to, 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 to people, build love. And they've used those same principles about children, and teenagers, how do we relate to children and teenagers? Through love languages. Very few love languages can be done by text. You can't hug somebody in a text. People need connection. And we need to 
digital communication and say, well, that's great to keep shallow friendships, but in our friendships, we need to love one another. And those books on love languages could give us some insights on how to do so. Right. Learning to love and uh, various people have different ways that they receive love, those love languages give us an idea that some people respond differently in the way that we are making an approach. Uh, Patrick Parkinson, just a wonderful start to a conversation like this, and I hope we can have some more of these through the year, because when we're into an issue about loneliness, the dimensions, they just keep opening up more and more. You've got this new organisation, it's called Publica, P-U-B-L-I-C-A. There's resources on there. What ways can listeners to our conversation right now uh, engage with this website that might be a very useful resource for them? What can, what can happen engaging if you go to publica.org.au today? Well, first of all, you can find lots of resources. There's videos as well as um, written things. Uh, secondly, you can sign up to the newsletter. We'll come out every three months just to give you an idea of what we've put out. You can join us on Twitter and Facebook at publica.oz is the or Publica Oz is the Twitter handle, it's all there on the website. Um, but look, what I'm trying to do is to start the conversations, to contribute to the conversations that we're not having, and, that, and today's an example of that. So what I'm doing is putting out a lot of information to people about this is what's happening, and some suggestions about how we respond to it. I'm not a counsellor, I'm not a pastor, we are not doing that, but we are in, seeking to inform the church about what is going on and making suggestions about how we can respond to it. It's the organisation formed with a view to strengthen families and communities in a post-Christian society and uh, with all those connections, and some will say, oh, all those social media connections, well, using social media to this effect to help alleviate loneliness. Uh, there'll be some real wonderful personal interactions that'll be prompted uh, if you're engaging in areas of social media with this website. So publica.org.au, publica, P-U-B-L-I-C-A.org.au. And Professor Patrick Parkinson driving this new initiative. Patrick, thank you so much uh, for opening up these issues to us. And uh, we'll look forward to a conversation again later on this year. Thank you for the time. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.